Look what the computer wizards at Apple have come up with now. It has the power of these two computers, a built-in disk drive. It can run over 10,000 different programs. You get everything you need to hook it right up to your TV. You can even add a mouse. Introducing the Apple IIc. Now comes the real magic. You can take it home for under $1,300. It sure seems like there's a lot of rules we're supposed to follow these days. I mean, you can't miss it, really. I guarantee you in your inbox over the last day or so, you've gotten an email entitled 10 Rules for Digital Marketing Success or the 5 Simple Rules of Social Media or the 20 Rules of Content Marketing or something along those lines. But those aren't really rules, are they? I mean, they're just best practices we're supposed to adhere to. I mean, there are certainly big rules. There's like the 10 big rules of life, you know, those ones we call commandments. You know, you'll never believe who broke commandment seven and he's on his third marriage. And then there are, of course, the rules we write down in order to keep order in the world. Those are the ones that if you break, you're going to go to jail. And then there are even the unwritten rules. You know, like when someone shows you a picture on their phone, don't swipe it left or right. That's a no-no. And when we're walking in the airport and you're going to stare at your phone or catch Pokemon, please, for the love of Jiminy, don't stand in the middle of the walkway. And when the elevator door opens, we get out first, and then you go in. That's a rule. And when we're cleaning up and putting the dishes away and yawning, yeah, that's your signal that the dinner party's over. You know who you are. You know who I'm talking about out there. Anyway, when we're doing new things, innovating in our business or our life, it can be a really odd feeling. We launch some new content initiative and start getting 55% conversion rates, but the rule says we should only be getting like 10, so we're breaking rules. Or we only get the 10% and then we're satisfied because, well, that's the rule. Or we ended the sentence with a preposition, or we split an infinitive. Ah, to boldly go where no one has gone before. See what I did there? I'm wrecking guitars. I'm a rule breaker. And that's the thing. In most cases... Not with those 10 big rules of the rock, or the ones that will land you in jail, or the elevator one, that's a big one too. In most cases, we need to stretch those rules. Innovating is creating new rules, and winning is then life by our rules. And that's the theme of our show today, breaking the rules, asking permission, begging forgiveness, or shooting for something more than just best practices. And now it's time for me to start a sentence with a conjunction and completely split an infinitive or two and get our little show underway. You ready to break a few eggs? Let's make an omelet and let's roll. For your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PR with This Old Marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, content marketers. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 142 of PNR's This Old Marketing, recorded Monday, August 1st, 2016. And with me, as always, is my friend, my co-host, my colleague, and the rule breaker, maker, and shaker of content marketing, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you, my friend? You, you switched it up a bit. You, I did. <laughs> it's so funny, because anytime you, of course, we're on episode 142, so anytime you make changes, it's a big deal. <laughs> so you, you switched up the name. I like that. It was it's yeah. very radio ish. Oh, thank you. I was I was trying for my best FM radio oh, voice it there. Was good. I got chills. <laughs> gotta tell oh, you. Oh my god, <laughs> chills. That's 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 a sad day, my oh, friend. Hey, so I want to hear about this glorious weekend of yours. And if, for the people that don't know, I was treated along with all of your followers on Facebook. Yeah. We're treated with the pictures of your friends, <laughs> your group, your band before, yeah. and then you you replicated those pictures in the present, and they were that's right. They were just amazing. So. That's yeah. It was pretty classic. It was a very silly weekend. So 
Um, thank you for asking. Um, I, you know, I went to Dallas. I grew up in Dallas, and when I was growing up, my last year of high school and into college, um, and well into college, actually, we had a band, and we played, and all, you know, did all the things that bands do when you're that age, um, and uh, so some of those guys I haven't literally seen in 30 years and some of them I've spoken to but not seen and a couple of others I've kept in various touch with but for the good part we haven't seen each other in 30 years and so we had a reunion weekend this weekend and we just hung out and basically did really silly things and it was one of those things where you catch up with old friends and that you haven't seen and you pick right back up where you started so we immediately became 19 years old again (laughs) (laughs) with the stupid jokes and the memes that we created and inside movie quotes and all just stuff like that there might have been some drinking involved I'm not sure there might have (laughs) been if there was you can't remember (laughs) exactly and so um and we did, yes, indeed. We so we did a photo shoot when we were a band for our album cover, the album that never got made. But our, for our album cover, we did this pretty extensive photo shoot. In now, keep in mind, folks, this is circa nineteen eighty four and nineteen eighty five. So it was full on, you know, Duran Duran, Kaja Gugu, Culture Club. Yeah, there was a little bit of flock of seagulls going yeah, on there. There was some flock of seagulls <laughs> going on there. There was a lot of ear cuff. A lot of uh, a, a lot of rat tail, a lot of yeah, all that stuff was going on, and and so what we did was we recreated all the photo shoots um, around town that we did in our you know in our fifty year old selves, and, you know cargo shorts and, so and, and basically sneakers, and yeah, it turned out pretty good. It was a fun weekend, oh, and and everyone seems to be doing well. It's Everybody's doing great. It's so it's it was so awesome to catch. You know, one of the things here, I will say this: there 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 was a nice, a poetic piece to it, which is so many times you you know you lose touch with those people that that you grew up with, and you wonder, you know, you all start from the same starting line, and you have this interesting path to get to where you are today, and. We're all so different. You know, one of them is a CEO of a pharmaceutical company. The other um, is a, uh, is the regional manager for a a, a, a musician manufacturer, music manufacturer. Um, the other is a referee for uh, uh, high school soccer, and and so on and so forth. We're just so different, but yet we all started at the same place. And you start thinking about the paths that you take through life um, to get where you are, and it's just it's just really fascinating and interesting and all that kind of stuff so yeah everybody was doing great it was so awesome to see everybody yeah just you telling that story i i missed <clears throat> my 25th year high school reunion last week because we yeah. were out of town it's just okay and and the only thing i have to say about that is i just feel like we're getting a little older and the yeah. fact that i keep having these <laughs> nagging injuries all yeah. over the place that Look, take a little longer i, to I know we're gonna get to the news but i have to tell you this it's it's just the weirdest little thing. So I had a, I just felt something tweak in my knee. Like, not a big deal. Like, oh, that's interesting. Whatever. So I go, yesterday morning, I go running. Yeah. Uh, we were in Atlanta. And I go out running, and I'm like, and I was going downhill. And I'm like, oh, that's that's a different, that's, that's what? <laughs> that's wrong. That's wrong. So I just <laughs> stopped. I'm like, you're supposed right. to. I'm like, I just stopped. Whatever. And it just felt a little bit nagging, a little sore. Yeah. And we were, I was with the, the two boys and my wife, and we were going through um, the airport, you know, back home. And I literally almost collapsed because my <laughs> just knee just locks up entirely. Oh, no. And here my, yeah, my kids are going up the escalator, and there's dad at the bottom of the escalator just hanging there for dear oh life God. and i'm like what is this how it's supposed to be now like i can't even <laughs> exactly I can't this is even, how it's gonna be it's not even like i can make it up the stairs i can't even make it up an escalator because oh my God. <laughs> oh just, no as we Are, age, is it all right now is oh, it all right it's now? fine right now but every oh, once okay. in a while i'll walk i think it's runner's knee i've had okay. it before um it's just you know whatever i'll figure it yeah. out i've got a race uh i've got a 5k race coming up this weekend so i'll have to figure that whole thing out i might oh, have wow. to I'm going to have to do it with crutches. I'm not sure if I'm going to time very well, but we're going to figure something out, my friend. So Very nice. All right. All right. Well, let's get to yeah, the news. Yeah, we probably um, should. I forgot so, what this program's uh, all about. 
Exactly. And uh, so our first story of the show comes to us courtesy of our friends at Contently, um, who wrote a fascinating piece here. Um, really loved this article. Headline is, Why Cisco is Hiring 200 Content Marketers. Uh, the story opens up by saying, Last November, Cisco surprised the tech world with an unexpected round of layoffs. Over 100 people from global marketing and corporate communications were let go. The move was positioned as an organizational consolidation under new CMO Karen Wall. But in truth, had to do with a much more strategic aim, refocusing Cisco's marketing on content. The quote here from uh, uh, Katrina Neal, Cisco's head of content, who I happen to know and like very much. Um, In December 2015, Karen announced we would be following a content marketing model, explained Katrina, um, who is the head of content. Her vision is to be a leader in real-time personal marketing communications What the hell does that mean? Well, in reality, it means that we lost around 200 people in November through restructuring, and now we're hiring around 200 content marketing people globally. You know, I mean, obviously, this is the kind of article that makes your heart warm for content marketing. What do you think of this? Well, you and I both worked with Cisco. Yeah, exactly. First of all, this... You know, this comes off as a very positive story, but they've been going through some major pain and restructuring, like a lot of large enterprises and technology. So it shouldn't be lost to the fact that that you and I know knew some very smart people that lost their jobs. Yes, at Cisco that were trying to make this thing work, and it seems like a couple times over now, maybe it's taken. And uh, and I guess the other thing I would say is, um, I think. When you see the 200 people that are being hired as content marketers, that you know, let's just put that in perspective. It's it's not 200 con- There's not 200 managing editors and content creators being hired. <laughs> That's here. right. This That's is, right. Exactly. This is this is a new approach that they've said. Hey, okay, we are going to move in this direction, and these are the 200 roles that we need to hire. They're not. You know whether whether they have the mindset of a content marketer doesn't mean that they're necessarily content marketers. Just need to throw that out there. Like everybody said, oh, they're going to hire all managing editors. They could all come to content marketing world. Uh, no, not really. Yeah. So I think you just have <laughs> right. to throw that. Out. What, what do you think in general about this whole thing? Well, I, you know, I I, I, I I like the move from a business perspective for the obvious reason. Um, more actually because, you know, I mean, as you've heard me say, you heard me say this at ICC and, and, and others, you know, I think in the future there really is no such thing as a content marketer. Uh, content marketing is a skill that is, you know, that, that it is an aptitude and a competency in the organization rather than, you know, any specific kind of, um, you know, it just gets integrated into what we do. And so when I see that they're reorganizing marketing, I go, I look at that and I go, oh, that's interesting. What are they actually doing? And what it appears they're doing from a business standpoint is restructuring marketing to integrate the silos that they had, which was, you know, of course, the classic field marketing. And then you had enterprise marketing and then you had corporate communications and you had product marketing. And if you look at it from a broad, broader brush, what they're actually doing is trying to de-silo marketing and create a new sort of one, you know, one ring to fit them all, as it were, one idea of marketing, which is built around this idea of creating content-driven experiences and using that as a means of differentiation in the marketplace. And so, great. I love the fact that they're calling it a content marketing restructuring, but even more great is I love the fact that they're de-siloing marketing and basically restructuring it as a strategic group within Cisco that recognizes the idea of creating these content-driven experiences as something that they have to do in order to compete in today's world. Yeah, I mean, a couple things about the approach. Do you know the total marketing people in Cisco? It's got to be over 10,000, I'm assuming. Oh, yeah, it's huge. So, yeah, so again... Yeah, it's a very large organization. Again, you just need perspective on this. It's not like they're restructuring their entire marketing organization. I, I do. I love this. What I took from this was, as they were talking about trying to find the right role, is how difficult that is, where you say, okay, you've got somebody that's really on, let's say, the journalistic, the writing side, the publishing side, and then you've got somebody else that really understands marketing, but neither one of those people are particularly well-suited because they're looking for somebody that has a combination of those roles, whether you call that media-slash-marketing or content creation-slash-marketing know-how. Those are very hard to find, and I think what this is showing is this is still a significant uh, lapse in our educational system 
where you can have one role or the other, it's very hard to find the combination. Now, in the future, I think we will, and I think we are, and obviously we're trying to do our part with our training program and how many of our books are in, in uh, universities around the world, but that's we have a long way to go. Because if you go to just about any university out there, you still have, oh, I can go into journalism, or I can go into business with a marketing specialty, and there's not necessarily a combination. And you, you sort of have to uh, mix your own potion, if, as, as it were, if you're really well, going to make this thing work. That's exact. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll touch on this when I get into my rant a little later. But what you know, as marketing evolves, you know, if, you know, forget content marketing for a second here. Even as marketing and digital and social and ever, all of the things that we have to do as marketing people evolves. What's not evolving are sort of the foundational aspects of how we get educated into these best practices. You know, so many students today are going through college and into these educational programs and quite frankly, being educated for the things that we're not doing anymore. And they're coming out ill-prepared to deal with all of the different aspects of marketing that you have to actually deal with in today's marketplace. And so... Whether you go to school for journalism or whether you go to school for getting technical and digital knowledge or whether you go to school to learn the classic four P's, you're still coming out and going, I I got, you know, so to the theme of the show, you know, you have to sort of make up your own rules about how you're going to sort of present yourself and really develop the talents you're going to need to be, to fit in to marketing organizations that today are, you know, like, just like Cisco in the midst of a big transition, you know, it's like, you know, and I, I don't mean to, I don't mean to suggest this specifically for Cisco, but just to use it as an example of the, you know, to get the, to the 200, to the 200 that they let go, how many of those would have been great people to fit into content marketing roles if they just sort of peeled back the layers? Maybe none of them, but maybe yeah. some of them had really interesting mix of skill sets, but had been classically put into sort of buckets of old school marketing uh, roles that quite frankly didn't fit the new schema of the organization, but quite frankly had people in there that would have had tremendous talent. So it's, it's a, it's a really, really transitional time and, and, and getting the skill sets to be able to do this is, is really important. But it's so funny in large enterprises and you know, this. sometimes it's just easier to cut bait. Yeah, instead that's of, right. And, and, you know, yeah, they could have instead taken... Instead of going what, through and doing a knowledge audit or something yeah, like they that. Yeah, they could have done... They may, they may have had and maybe the they resources. Did. Yeah. Yeah. And, and maybe, and maybe right. they did, and we don't know. But, but yeah, it's... it's the, in, in enter, there Other enterprises will say, I've seen it happen, where they quite literally just cut off, you know, some old school piece to bring in the new school piece. And quite frankly, the people in there would have been better served if they had just been moved over. Yeah, I, ha- I do have a couple points on this, but I do want to make it known that I did a presentation about a year and a half ago for the Cisco Integrated Marketing Communications Organization, and it wasn't long after that that half of those people were let go. So I wanted I wanted to let everyone know how <laughs> strong of an impact I've made. Yeah, you're the kiss of death, I really, basically. So when, when it, you, you know. see me coming into your organization, yeah. you better... <laughs> you better start you, looking at the want ads. I guess you are the, you are the Bob and Bob of <laughs> of, of content marketing. The, no, I I have three points that I wanted to bring up before we go to the next news article. One is uh, how Katrina brings up the importance of owned media versus. I mean, of course they they bring in hey Cisco's changed or uh, Facebook's changing their algorithms. Yes. We really have to focus on our own media platforms. That seems to be a continual trend. We've talked about it on this show, but it's interesting to hear that. So I just wanted to note that 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 is a thing, and they're focusing sort of on their content hub in a place that they have more control over the content than just publishing it out into wherever. Yes. Um, the, uh, The second part was there is a huge training buy-in initiative going on Uh, you can you can sense it in the article where this whole thing there's there's many presentations that are happening now can you imagine the number of powerpoints that are oh my gosh there's got to be a hundred powerpoints on (laughs) buy-in for content marketing that are going throughout so the so the one thing to keep in mind is if you do this in your organization the number one number two and number three thing you've got to focus on is you know what what is what are the people that are sticking around going to think? And it doesn't even mean the executives; it means the other or the other people that have been around in the past regime that you've got to 
to carry with you as it will, because if everyone's not on the boat, you're going to have some problems with this. Dead, and, no kidding. And I don't know what they're doing. Like, I would love to hear more about this end-to-end content attribution model that's talked about in this article. I just would would like more. That's all I have to say. I just want to know. <laughs> well, we'll see. I want to right. know what I, that is. I want to know how they're. So, you, have you heard? There's a there's a there's a horse kind of creature with a horn that sticks out in front of its forehead. <laughs> I'm not sure if you've ever heard of this thing, but I think it might be it might be kind of like that. Anyway, that's actually yeah. you know you should do a blog post on you know content marketing ROI the unicorn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah. this is it. This is what we all It's yeah, it sounds like they're creating their own measurement calculations I've, you I've, which i love i've got but that, to your point i'd love to see it can't wait to see I it i want to see it so anyone from cisco if you, you katrina know. katrina listens to the oh, show katrina come on let's we yeah. want it we want to know about it and and we will code name unicorn we will keep it under wraps <laughs> <laughs> all righty all right, moving on to our next story here. This one comes courtesy of Bulldog Reporter. Um, and the headline of the story is How Brands Can Culturally Attract and Engage Fans. And so when I saw this headline cross my inbox, I was like, well, I'm interested in that. And the article opens up by saying, How do consumer brands stay relevant, authentic, and differentiated in a rapidly evolving and culturally complex global market? With 195 countries and 6,500 languages around the world, the challenge is daunting as brands seek new, daunting but doable, I would say, as brands seek new (laughs) methods and motivators to connect and engage with audiences through social, mobile, experiential, digital advertising, and e-commerce channels. CMO Council recently teamed with fresh-squeezed ideas to explore the cultural connection to brand attraction. In a new strategic brief, Building Brands That Attract and Engage Fans, the CMO Council tapped domain expert and notable brand marketers from Pepsi, Visa, Johnson & Johnson, PetSmart, Cox Communications, uh, Opus Bank, uh, and a few others to learn about how culturally connected brands stay valued and relevant with consumers. Now, I read some of this, um, and I'll just give you my quick take, okay. and then would love to hear if you've got any okay. or any, any, <laughs> any of that. Um, the, the interesting thing to me was is that they're describing content marketing, but they don't really ever describe content marketing. Um, and and it's it's fascinating to me because they actually talk about, you know, developing a deep understanding of your audiences and who you want to have a relationship with and what are their aspirations and values and higher order needs all within this cultural context. And so, okay, that's we've been talking about that forever, this idea of developing personas and what value can we deliver to them. Having a clear brand purpose, the unique role the brand plays in helping with that and creating an engagement model that is based on attraction in which the consumer is drawn to the brand by choice. I mean, it's like they it's like they went out of their way here to not say content marketing, but they're describing content marketing, which is fine. I, you know, no problem there. I, I think it was a really interesting report. And I think it's, you know, it's one that's really, if, especially if you're a consumer brand, it's really one that you should, you know, you should take a look at. Um, they, you know, they, especially some of the stuff that they, you know, from the quotes they pull from some of the, the contributors like Pepsi and Visa and J&J and stuff. I mean, J&J starts talking about babycenter.com and all of the insight that mm-hmm. they're getting from babycenter.com, which is wonderful, of course, but somehow they manage to not say the words content marketing here. Um, and then, you know, the the idea of, uh, of Visa, who, of course, we'll be talking with it, you know, at, at Content Marketing World, Stephanie, <clears throat> who's there. They talk about it, you know, this idea of, the, you know, the nature of our brand uh, really is around these idea of cultural icons and Olympic athletes, which I'll totally get to in my rant later oh, yeah. on. But, um, you know, I thought it was really interesting, but I was a little disappointed that they couldn't find it in their I don't know, whatever it was, that they couldn't get to the idea of content being sort of the the idea here instead of just a new way to approach brand. I wonder if it was a purposeful decision or whether or not, and you and I have talked about this, content marketing is still a very B2B-centric yes. term. There's no doubt. So this, no is, doubt. this is you know dead on consumer brands for this report, seems to be. Um, well, it's also, and I, I will point out that it's also – a little bit of a content marketing piece in and of itself because the whole thing is about this new book that is that the fresh squeezed idea 
a guy John McGar is 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 promoting, which is called reincarnation, the death and rebirth of marketing, which sounds oddly familiar for for a book theme. But I I'm not going to go there. No, I'm not going to go there. Yeah, you can't. Um, it's you know. But you know. But anyway, so it's well, yeah. It's, it's I guess you can go there. <laughs> I, I mean, there's I nobody stopping did. you. I'm certainly I, not going to stop you. I guess I kind of did. I guess actually, you did. But you already went there. <laughs> yeah, we went there. Together. We went there. We've been there, and now we're moving back. <laughs> Thank you. Done. Thank you. And now it's done. But anyway, I you know I think it's an important report. Go read it, especially if you're in the B two C world. Um, it's got some good things in there, especially from you know if you're trying to build a business case around content marketing, um, you'll have to use that phrase in brackets, of course, because they don't actually ever say it. But it's it's it, it was a good piece. I just I wish it had talked more about content marketing well, instead of branding. What is what is I agree with you. What is interesting is how the article talks about how brand attraction is so much more important than brand recognition. Yeah, exactly. And what that exactly. means is that's a, that's a whole different type of measurement than consumer brands have been used to. Exactly. How many, that's all we were talking about. We, how many impressions can we get? Yep. And the more impressions, that's, I mean, that's the age-old advertising model. We get enough of impressions from all these different sources. It's going to help our bottom line. Well, this article says, no, that's not true. We actually, that's right. brand, brand recognition is not all that important anymore. And the other thing, and I'll talk a little bit about this in my rave, but this idea of micro moments, and Google has talked about that in their zero moment of truth. Yeah. About, you know, a certain moment that happens, can a brand have the conversation around that or or have a a good portion of that conversation around that micro moment? And Johnson & Johnson talks about that, obviously, with Baby Center. Um, But that's interesting, and I think that's where, if you're a consumer brand, that's where you could say, okay, well, in in the journey – you know, what's something that we can really make an impact on? That's when you really can look at it and say, and that's where, where you look at this content niche and see if there's an opportunity to do something in a niche and not just say, oh, we're going to be the leading experts in blah, blah, blah. Right. Well, you know, I, what is it? And a niche you can own, right? Or, a, a, yeah. you know, that basically, I, I, I quote this all the time that you say, and I absolutely love this thing, which is, no media company ever sets out to be the fifth best magazine in their space. <laughs> like, I just love that quote so much because it's like, exactly. So find a space that you can be number one in. And it's just, you know. Uh, well, and there's none of those anymore. To? There's none of those anymore. There's no, right. like, five book. Mar- right. We call them books. And a magazine is a book. And so we always said, okay, how many books are in the market, you, you're, you, you were usually one, two, or three. And if you were four or five, uh, you were looking for a new job. Yeah, so, exactly. Because and right today there are no four or five, and the only time there are fourth and fifth players in a market, it's when it's a really new, innovative market. Like you could say, maybe privacy and security right now might have four, or five, or six media properties yep. that are vying to be the one, two, or three. But there's not going to be six. There's going to be two or three, and that's where you've got to start thinking about that. Because yeah. you go in and say, "Oh, we're gonna we're, we're gonna be the seventh bank." Right. <laughs> well, and you know, I mean, I, you know, we talk, we teach this in the workshop, which is you you can get there a couple of different ways, right? You don't have one of the ways to get there is to is to work on you know a, a different persona rather than a different topic. In other words, the one the the example I use all the time is if you were a new marketing automation company and you're a software company in the marketing automation space, going after the best practices in marketing automation to marketing practitioners probably isn't the niche you want to try and go after right now, considering that HubSpot, Marketo, Oracle, you know, it's a crowded, noisy space. But could you go after the CEO or could you go after the IT person or, you know, some some other persona to figure out a different way to drive demand for what it is you do? A different persona can ultimately sometimes bring you down the road to a different story well, and that's and that's a it's a it's it can be a good way to get case there. in point a little bit different but but to make your point is uh unilever's purchase of dollar shave club we just talked about it on the show yeah. and dollar shave club targeted a very different persona they that's weren't really right. talking about anything new they just talked yeah. to a different audience that's exactly right so yeah there you go there there you have that's it all it. right case closed <laughs> 
we're closing a lot of cases today. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're all we're, over this. <laughs> we're moving on here um, to our last uh, uh, story for the show here, which is um, ushering in the new guard is content marketing the path forward. This article comes to us courtesy of Forbes.com and is an interview with a friend and family of the show, Mr. Michael Brenner, who is CEO of Marketing Insider Group and author of The Content Formula. Um, the article opens up by saying, content marketing continues to be a hot topic. The proof can be found in the thousands of articles, blogs, forums, you name it. We might even actually have something to do with one of those blogs. Focusing on the ins and outs and pros and cons, so cut through the clutter and get a fresh perspective they talked to Mr. Brenner, um, and who is also obviously the head of strategy at NewsCred, or former head of strategy at NewsCred, I should say, and former VP of content marketing at the giant SAP. Talk about a company going through their own content marketing yep. restructuring and transition. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Um, Michael, of course, has a wealth of experience in creating, optimizing, and measuring content. They go on to ask him a bunch of questions, and I thought it might be fun questions for us to actually talk about a little bit as well. What did you think about this? Well, I, I, of course, uh, we agree with most of what Michael has to uh, come oh, course, to the yeah. table with. But what I thought yeah. was interesting is when he was describing um, how you know you can't just publish an ebook or a white paper, and that's what a lot of people think is content marketing, and they describe content marketing by the types of content they produce right which is really and not the approach this is really important it's such a simple concept but it happens all the time where they say oh yeah are you doing content marketing oh yeah we have a blog and we do videos that doesn't no you didn't answer my question (laughs) that there's nothing and so he just talks about two and there's a there's a few more but he talks about two key differentiators and one was cadence like, are you a you're a consistent publisher of content, not just a video or a ebook or a white paper? And then, what is inside the content type really matters, and that's where he talks about it's pr- promotion free. It's not it's you know it's educational, it's valuable. It's not an ebook about our new product or service or a white paper about that or a tutorial uh, on our new process on on YouTube. This is a very, very different thing. So those are the two that I sort of wrote down where um, that happens all the time. And I wonder just how many people listening to this just think, oh, yeah, I do those things. So that must be content marketing. Well, it's not. Let's go a little bit deeper. I don't know what you got out of the article. The biggest one for me was when he started talking about the investment decision. Um, You know, uh, Brenner talks a little bit about the idea of, how the investment decision needs to come in context with, you know, how you're measuring and looking at it in, you know, in the context of marketing more broadly. And I, I thought it was a really good answer. And, and it's and it's something, you know, I, I say it a little bit differently than he says it here because he actually talks about the idea of the compounding interest or compounding return that you get on making small investments in content, which I really like. And it's something that certainly we speak to when we talk, about, you know, in, in our workshops and whatnot. Um, it's this idea that I, I've, I've started to say is, you know, and, and this is you know, it's the topic of my talk at Content Marketing World this year, which is this, you know, we rebooting the entire idea of content marketing, which is instead of looking at it as an alternative form of advertising or marketing, we should look at it as just a different kind of business activity that marketers happen to perform. Yeah. And it's and it's and it's looking at it like that because it's it's an entirely different investment model. And it provides all kinds of value, but if we only look at it as an alternative means of providing leads at the top of the funnel, we may end up disappointed because guess what? It may actually not provide more leads than your direct marketing. They may be better. They may be faster. They may stay longer. They may spend more. They may be better loyal customers over the long haul, but quite frankly, there may not be more of them. And it may take longer to actually pull them through the funnel using that using that method. And so if you just compare it as an alternative form of direct marketing or an alternative form of advertising, you may be really disappointed in your results. But it's when you look at it holistically as a different kind of investment model that actually provides value in the long run and increasing value in the long run, that's when you really start to see it as a strategic piece of what you're doing from a marketing perspective. So well, I really appreciated that, that that part of the interview. Well, that's where sometimes a reboot is necessary Yeah, because of the fact that Let's say in a B2B company, if you're on B2B demand gen, you are compensated, you're bonused on the number of 
names. Let's just not leads. Names you bring in. Right. That's exactly right. And if you go to a content marketing approach, you probably aren't going to get as many names as you have traditionally done through disruptive media. And so that's where sometimes you have to come in and say, well, maybe we just need to change that position altogether and shift over. To your point, I guess the other question I wanted to ask you is, and Michael talks about this a little bit when you when you look at if you have an, a general return on investment, I think that in your organization, and this is how marketing is viewed or whatever, what I've always believed that I want this is what I want to get your take on that you start with what how we're already measuring in the organization instead of coming in and saying this is a revolutionary new thing and we need a whole different construct and we need to you need to wrap your arms around this one. Yes, it's different, but if you go in with that, you're never going to get approval. Sometimes you have to say, well, how are we currently measuring this? And then how do we do what we need to do with a content marketing approach and use what they're how they're looking at it? I mean, what would you say to that? I think that's a, I think that's a, you know, I think your mileage may vary on trying to make that case depending on the business you're in. But I think it's a really interesting way to to do it, which is basically the rules of measurement shouldn't necessarily change just because you're bringing in something new. You know, I mean that. I mean, it, it, there's a, it feeds right into something that we talked about last week where you very kindly complimented me on the, uh, on the, the letter that I wrote uh, to the ICC crowd, which was this starting a stopping list, right? One of the, the business case that we're usually making here, you know, quite frankly, is, you know, everybody talks about, oh, it's really hard to do the new thing in the business. You know, it's, oh, it's really hard to do the new and innovative thing and convince my boss that I need to do the new and innovative thing. What I find is it's actually not hard to convince the boss or the CEO or the CMO to do some really interesting, new, innovative thing. They're usually open to it. The hard part, the really difficult part of building the business case is what are we going to stop doing in order to make room for this? Exactly. And so that becomes, because once we say we're going to stop doing this, in order to do this new thing, well, now that inherently sort of suggests that there's going to be some new way that we're measuring it. And in, and in many cases, we go, well, wait a minute, no. Let's look at the old way of measuring, of what we're actually measuring and getting value out of. Now can we apply this new thing and actually look at that same measurement and, and see if we can do better? It's almost like what really what we want is if you are the VP of marketing, you need to say, look, it, you, don't, you don't care how I get there. Right. I'm going to get oh, there. Oh, my God. Yes, I love that so much. That's it. Uh, you know, how much web traffic did you get? That's none of your yeah, business, I don't care. Mr. VP. I'm not gonna, well, you talk about this. I've, that's yeah, I one of my favorite. Exactly. It's always been my favorite part of the workshop yeah. when you talk about, um, look, this is what you want at the end of the day. And, and I'm not going to share with you how I'm going to get there because you don't care. All right. you want is exactly. that top number. And just let me do my thing. And that's where... You know, if you want to say it's a whole restructuring or you got to bring different people in or you totally reallocate those funds, you're making the decision to stop certain things. That's exactly right. But you don't right. have to tell the CMO anything about that. Oh, my God. Saying, it's, 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 it's so true. It, it's so true. I mean, there's so many times when I'll say when I and this happens all the time. So I know it's 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 rampant out there when I say, hey, can I see your uh, analytics for the last year? And they'll go, oh, uh, yeah, okay, I got that. And then they send me a report that shows. And there's like four asterisks underneath the the graph that says, well, here's where we switch from Google Analytics to Adobe Analytics. And then here's another asterisk where we changed up the website and lost all our SEO. And here's another asterisk where we actually da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Because we've tracked everything so granularly for so long, we have to start making all these caveats now about when we make changes to the to the infrastructure because, quite frankly, it screws up our measurement and we have to start all over again. And it's like if we have to report on that, in other words, if that becomes part of, if like web traffic is sort of a major piece of our measurement process, of course, we have to make those asterisks. We have to note those things. Otherwise, we get dinged for the web traffic going down by 25% in March when we switched over analytics methodologies. But, you know, that the whole key to that is if we don't have to report that, we know that. But the whole point is, are we still driving better and more, you know, more valuable results for the business? That's the real benefit of that. We can stop with the asterisk already. Well, you know, if you if your CMO is starting to look at web, first of all, if they're looking at web traffic stuff, you got exactly issues they're, because right. something's broken. 
Exactly you're not right. doing something right if they're looking at, okay, well, let's let's really go through f- with a fine-tooth comb and figure out what you're doing. And they look at all the analysts. Oh, so you're like, you better start looking for a new job, frankly, <laughs> if, that, if that. Seriously. Because what you, do, you don't want them to ask you yeah. any questions. You just want you to give the report. Here's what we're doing. Here are the main goals that we're hitting. Everything's fine. Leave me alone. Stop talking to me. Yeah. I'm fine. Remember, remember that Goodbye. part of the show, folks, when Joe said every time he shows up is when the death person shows up? Well, just, yeah, just just keep that in mind as you listen to the, the last five actually, minutes of the show. <laughs> it, that's actually, yeah. We, actually, I don't want to talk about that anymore because people start to think bad bad thoughts. Yeah, And I'm exactly. all about good happiness. You're, you're all about thoughts. unicorns. Well, yeah. speaking of unicorns, we have an amazing, probably the best sponsor ever that has been in the history of this planet. And we can honestly say sponsoring the show. Yeah, and we, we can, can honestly say this. So this as, the- as we, uh, Robert, as we normally do in August, we reserve the August sponsorship to promote all things content marketing world. Yes, Woo-hoo. of course. If you are not familiar with the event, Content Marketing World, you haven't been listening to this show, and you haven't been involved (laughs) in the industry at all. It is the planet's largest in-person event around the approach of content marketing. Last year, 3,500 marketers from over 50 countries attended our little event in Cleveland, Ohio. Cleveland will again be the setting for this wonderful event, and I'm honestly continually amazed by the number, the quality of people. That come. I was looking at the attendee list the other day, Robert, and just this is... Oh, it's amazing. Oh, it's the, it's the, unbelievable. The companies and the titles that are here, it's the cream of the crop. We'll have about 40 of the Fortune 100 represented as attendees this year, which just blows my mind. Although we do have sessions for small, medium, and larger size organizations. So if you're a smaller enterprise, don't worry, you're, you, you'll still find a home here at Content Marketing World, but a lot of our sessions are around complex content marketing challenges. Some of the stuff we talk about here, although we try to simplify it quite a bit on on this show. (laughs) Uh, Brand speakers this year include wonderful folks from Lego, Bank of America, Visa, GE, Google, Microsoft, Intel. I don't know any of those companies. No. Actually. And another 50 brand side speakers. And of course, we have uh, authors and thought leaders from around the world that are very, very well known. And we also like to have a little fun. Our closing keynote, Mr. Mark Hamill this year. Luke Skywalker in the house. Goes along with our uh, our Content Strikes Back theme. Yep. No relation uh, to Mr. Mark Hamill. Uh, wink, wink on that one. And Hall of Fame band Cheap Trick, which you know, you, I'm sure you'll love. Oh, so I can't wait. It's going to be they're so great. great. I've seen them in per- they're they're fantastic. So CM World is September 6th through 9th, 2016 this year and we want all of our PNR listeners to be there. If you go to contentmarketingworld.com and use discount code PNR200, PNR200 that'll save you $200 off the final price. And if you can't be sure to do that, as soon as you can because many of the hotels near the convention center are already sold out uh and you don't necessarily want to stay in akron ohio which is quite a ways away <laughs> although you'll be near lebron james which, yeah. will be, which is nice uh, there's it's there's a, other things about akron that yeah little anyway. little benefit yeah exactly so <laughs> and and by the way the little final note here both robert rose and myself will be speaking at the event yeah but don't let that dissuade don't you let folks, that so. yeah i know you're like oh man because you've got a new uh, presentation that you're bringing out of the out of the can, which is I do fantastic. I do, and I've I do. got. I'm actually doing a whole workshop this year. Uh, Are you around, really? I'm I didn't doing, know that on Friday. Yeah, the oh, wow. the Content Inc. model. So for for smaller businesses, a whole day on how you can find your content tilt. Uh, oh, how do you I build your that. base? I might have to go to that. Measure and all that stuff. <laughs> you, you'll have to go if you're not working because I think you're doing like 17 sessions or something. I am doing like a lot that. of sessions. That is for sure. But yes, yeah, so mine's on because you're doing your workshop on the content creation model on the 6th. That's correct. And then I'm doing mine on the 9th. Nice. And we're both speaking on the 7th and 8th, I believe. Well, that is is fantastic. I absolutely love that, of course. Maybe somebody on our staff um, could reach out to those CMO council people and say, hey, by the way, there's this whole, like, event where you might want to come and, like, we talk about all this stuff that you're in this white paper that you just released. Anyway. We're getting it. Yeah, we're getting there. We're still got a ways to – I mean, we know the folks at the CMO council. We we have a ways – to go, I think, and it's it's funny. People ask both of us about, oh, okay, is, is content marketing jumped the shark or whatever? And I'm like, well, we're still, we're still Bonzi. so, yeah, exactly. We still have so far to go. Yeah, we do to reach some of the larger companies that it takes them 
a while to move. Yeah. So there you go. Content All right. Well, world. now it is time for your favorite part of the show, ladies and gentlemen. It is our rants and rave section where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave of something that makes us feel like we're breaking the rules or makes us feel like we're playing it safe. Um, and so let's see. Uh, you go first because you have this old marketing. I think it's the first time I have this old yeah. marketing in three yeah. months. Yeah, let's but just be honest there. That, <laughs> hey, I've, I've never <laughs> – hey, you can have it every time if you want. Uh, no. Because I know how much you Go ahead. Are this old marketing. Okay, so I'm, <laughs> my rave is very quick. Uh, so I went to – while you were – uh, you know, going down memory lane with your folks. I was in Atlanta, <laughs> and we were having fun with some friends there in Atlanta, and we decided to stop at the World of Coca-Cola in Atlanta, Georgia. And I just wanted to talk about, this is a rave, this is not a rant, but aside from all the brainwashing that went on there, it really is funny. Like, you are, if you have, uh, I heard a, a side story that there was a gentleman that tried to get in with a Mountain Dew shirt and was not allowed in the world oh, of wow. Coca-Cola. All right. Mellow Yellow? Yes. Mountain Dew? No. No. So you just got to yeah. gotta make sure. So I, I made sure I didn't have my Pepsi-Cola uh, tank top on and uh, went into the world of Coca-Cola. And I, I just thought it was fantastic. Uh, the, fr- frankly, that first of all, that you'd pay to go into a total immersive experience around a brand was amazing to me. And there was a huge line. And then you, they take you, so you pay. And the first thing you do is you go in. And they give you either a Coca-Cola Zero, Diet Coke, or a uh, or a regular Coke. And so it's right now you're you're already thinking you're getting free stuff, although you already paid for it. So I mean, you're <laughs> exactly. thinking it's free, but it's right. not free. Yeah. But then you go into the the waiting room, and the waiting room is basically nostalgia from Coca-Cola for o- over a hundred years, and it's it's awesome because I'm a collector, so I was really getting into it, and they t- had the history of the bottle and the shape and why they did that because. And I didn't even know this. Like, they they wanted that bottle that certain way, and they had a patent over that bottle because they wanted the 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 CEO at the time. If you were looking at a silhouette of somebody and you could just see see the shape, they wanted people to know that was Coca Cola just from the yep. shape of the bottle, which is yep. just awesome. So we go into the side room, and everybody's raising their hand from where they're coming from. I'm amazed because most of the people in our room of about 120, 140 people, they were from other countries, India and Ethiopia. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's unbelievable that people come all the way from another country into the United States not to go to D.C., not to go to New York, but to go to the world of Coca-Cola. I mean, this is just <laughs> strange to me a little bit. Right. So, I, But the couple of my favorite sec- sec- sections in here was the one where they had stands for North America, Africa, Asia, and you were, allowed, you were able to try unlimited, if you know, free if you will, uh, all the different uh, popular drinks, Coca-Cola drinks from that country. So oh, I, wow. oh, it was great. And I, I didn't try them all because I started to get a little caffeine sugar high going. Cause it's, I mean, you can, <laughs> right. But they did, as you know, I posted this on Facebook. They had Tab. Tab was my oh, drink my growing favorite. up. Yeah, no, that was when summertime go, by the pool. Summertime, we used yeah. to go to the pool, and yeah. there was not a Coca-Cola machine, not a Pepsi-Cola machine. It was a Tab machine absolutely and so that's what i would drink almost every day during the summer and of course i just relived my i have two favorite drinks one is tab and the other one is mr pib zero oh mr pib oh my so gosh. i was able to get both of those and try a lot of different ones i tried some ginger beer one that was really whew, that one that one hit strong um but they have a secret formula vault and then they have a whole exhibit dedicated around the move to New Coke in the mid-'80s, which I thought was awesome. Nice. That they had the reason why. They had the paper as to who was making the case to do it, uh, the move back to classic Coke. I mean, those types of things. It's just really interesting that they were able to put this together. And if, you know, not all of us are Coca-Cola, obviously, and able to do this where you have such a, a following. Like, you know, Apple can do this. <laughs> right. Nike can do this. You, know, you can do those <laughs> sort of things where, you know, you know the brand by not looking at the name, by you looking at a symbol or a bottle or whatever. But I, what I thought was interesting and what we can learn from this as content marketers is their micro moment, and we talked about this earlier in the show, is happiness. And so when you go into, we went into the side room, 
And then we went and watched the six-minute video, which you probably could see on YouTube, and maybe you've seen it before. But it's a six-minute video dedicated to happiness. There's nothing about Coca-Cola in the video except that sometimes you'll see Coca-Cola in the background or see somebody drinking a Coke. But for the most part, it's happiness where you have a veteran coming home to his family. You have somebody proposing in a hot air balloon. And literally, people are crying by the end of this video. I mean, it's that powerful, but it's around this idea where the whole rest of the the entire building is dedicated to just being thankful for what we have, being happy with all our blessings, those types of things. And Coca-Cola has done a pretty good job trying to position themselves around that. And I just thought that that was interesting as you as you look at what we're passionate about as a brand, you look at what we're really good at creating, we look at maybe where we have an opportunity to be the leader. You know, Coca-Cola obviously thinks, and they've done a pretty darn good job to say that they can take that idea of of happiness and be a player in the conversation, and they've done a pretty good job. And uh, again, aside from the brainwashing, uh, Robert, I just love the experience. (laughs) I think that it's great, and I think that, you know, Coca-Cola is trying to corner themselves the happiness market, and and I think they've done a pretty good job of it. So, That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a fanboy of their marketing, so it's this is that I'm. It's a. It, it, that's really cool. And I think really, they've done really that. Cool. Even when you look at yeah. Coca-Cola Journey and you look at the other stuff that with Content 2020 that they put oh, together, yeah. a lot of that was around happiness. Around yeah. how do oh, we oh, be involved was, in the was. lives was. in 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 the special lives of people. Yeah, and, or special moments in people's lives, and I Deliver, delivering happiness. Yeah. That was Mildenhall's thing while he was while he ran creative and advertising for Coca Cola for however many years he did it. That was his that was his thing, right? Delivering happiness. Oh, it's and his, and the video, the six minute video, is actually very similar to where you show in the workshops the the security camera video of oh, catching catching great, happiness yeah. moments yeah. or that. That's, yeah, that's exactly yeah, right. Exactly. All right. Well, I have a rant. It's the, and, and I actually went back, and I guess it's my first rant in a, in a, in, a, in, a, in, in as many shows. Um, so, uh, okay. So, and, and this is a short rant, but it's it, it is it's full on rant. Um, the article we'll link to, which is not has nothing to do with the rant um, itself, but it, it certainly talks about what I'm going to rant on, is from Adweek, um, and it talks about this sporting event that will start this week uh, in a country located in South America. Um, they were Greek-originated sporting events. Um, these are centuries-old <laughs> things and occur every four years or so in cities around the world. Um, they will start with many people from our country marching into great pomp and circumstance and will continue for 16 days um, in the city that is the Portuguese uh, uh, word for River of January, um, and the, which is also the second most populous city in Brazil. Um, as you can tell, I'm avoiding using certain words here because the United States Olympic community, the U.S. committee, rather, the USOC, has sent letters to companies, brands, that are using hashtags or mentioning keywords on social media that they're claiming are proprietary and are only available to paid sponsors. That's right. If you're a brand... You can not only not mention the four-year competition or our own competitors in those competitions, you're not even allowed to mention that you're cheering support for them, even if you're the business that funded them. In other words, if you're family business and you sponsored the owner's daughter as an athlete in this competition, the answer is no, you're not allowed to actually cheer for that person on social media and mention the fact that she's a part of this team uh, that might be uh, have the three letters United States of America after it. If you don't have a business relationship with the USOC, then no. Even if, by the way, you gave to them, because, because of course they're they, you know they're not paid for by our taxes. You have to donate. But even if you donated to them, you're not allowed to. If you're a brand, mention these wonderfully proprietary things unless you actually pay them money to be a sponsor of the USOC. Or even weirder, and by weirder what I mean is greedy, stupid, and ridiculous. Um, if you're an athlete and you make a deal with a business to send you to these games, and you agree to do a commercial with that business in exchange for that support, you can't mention the fact that you're a part of those games. You're not allowed to do it. You could talk about patriotism. You could talk about your, I guess you could talk about your sneakers or how fast you run or whatever, but you can't talk about your participation in these games. And it gets even worse because if it's, so hashtag weirder and hashtag stupider here, If you're a media company 
like BuzzFeed or Huffington Post or anything like that, you can use images or tweets or posts from the USOC official channels, but not brands. So according to ESPN, the letter they got says that companies that are sponsoring athletes cannot reference any Olympic results, cannot share or repost anything from the official Olympic count. You can't even retweet something from the USOC. But my question is, what makes up a media company? We now live in a world where Jeff Bezos and Amazon owns the Washington Post, and they can rightfully tweet out and retweet stuff through the Washington Post. But a small business in middle America actually sponsoring the athlete that's attending and competing in the games can't. So, by the way, in both the articles um, that uh, I've read, ad agencies and other these other pundits are out there saying, well, you know, you should probably just learn to live within the rules and not try to figure out ways around the rules or break the rules or, in other words, just don't do anything. And I, man, do I disagree with this. I mean, first of all, hey, USOC, you're doing this whole social thing wrong. You are doing it wrong. So as a public service here at PNR, <clears throat> I'd like to suggest the following alternatives for the hashtags. Instead of Olympic, we just call them hashtag the Greekies. Uh, instead of Team USA, we're going to call it hashtag Team America. Um, instead of Rio 2016, we're going to call it the River Run 16. And instead of Go for the Gold, by the way, these are all proprietary hashtags apparently to the USOC. Instead of Go for the Gold, we're going to say Get Your Willy Wonka. And we encourage you to use those hashtags if you're retweeting anything from the official USOC account and just replace those. Which, by the way, by the way, if you want to, if you feel like retweeting, don't retweet because, of course, that's against the rules if you're a brand. Um, but the uh, hash, the uh, account for Twitter is at Team USA, uh, which is the USOC's official account. And if you'd like to talk with them, certainly you can do that. But instead of retweeting any pictures of tweets or anything or retweeting that you're not allowed to do as a brand, what I would do is just at reply them with a picture of a kitten hanging from a tree saying, hanging in there, baby. Or better, maybe, somebody just out there, please make a meme of the American flag saying, go get your Willy Wonka. And let's, uh, and let's just retweet that for the Olympics. I think that's, this is ridiculous. And that's the end of my rant. You know, we've covered a lot of uh, inane things on this show. <clears throat> this may be right at the top of the list. It's pretty. It's pretty high up there. It's pretty high up there. It's. It's. It. I. I you know. I mean, this is this is old school intractability at its finest. I just. I can't even I, believe that they're doing it. I mean, it's just so. Uh, it, anyway, it, I'd really it like me. to know. I'd, I would have loved the men in the room when this was created. Like, who did it? This, well, at its is... surface, so at its surface, at its surface, you go, I kind of get it. And follow me here for a second. At its surface, I go, if I'm in the room and they go, you know, we need to really increase the value of this hashtag for our sponsors, the people who are sponsoring for us. And so if they, if we, you know, make it exclusive for them, that makes their sponsorship dollars worth more. I would actually argue it doesn't. It doesn't make there because, quite frankly, if they're the only ones that are allowed to use the hashtag, it won't ever trend. No, never. And th that's kind of the value of it in the begin with. Now, of course, there's the difference here between people, you know, individuals and brands. And even that's a weird fine line, I suppose, because can we get all our employees to do it, but just under their, you know, under their individual accounts and vote for TM, you know, hashtag Team USA and all that? Uh, maybe. But the hope the it's just it's so silly that a small business, a little the little gas station whose daughter's gonna run in the Olympic Games and crowdfunded and or got some go go fund going together and and, and, and basically had uh, uh, you know, got enough money to send their daughter to the Olympic Games and be there in Rio and all that kind of stuff. Can't actually cheer them on using the official hashtags, but a huge business like the New York Times or the Washington Post or the Huffington Post can. To me, is just redonkulous. Yeah, it's it's very similar to to certain people that actually want to close portions of the internet to <laughs> to handle terrorism. That's yeah. the. Uh, that's the kind of thinking we got going on today, yeah. Uh, yeah. and we just have to keep battling through it the way that That's we right. always do. So, I, right. uh, we have yeah, this I've old got, marketing. I've got this old marketing, and I'll, I it's it's a very quick one, but I love this one. So, this old marketing regular listener, Joe Waters, had a conversation with Alicia Azali. I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. Hopefully, Alicia, Vice President over at uh, Nationwide Insurance, about 
our little program, the soul marketing here. And because of that, I know because of that, I received a care package from Alicia and they're doing a number of content related initiatives, including cause talk radio as part of their make it safe happen program. And, and, you know, I got a whole letter here and I want to read the second paragraph to you. Robert says, this is from Alicia. Alicia says, enclosed are copies of two brochures that you may find interesting. The first is a replica we discovered in our nationwide archives from 1954. It was distributed by our insurance agents to help spread the word about the leading cause of death of children, accidental injuries. We recreated a new version, and you'll see the tone and imagery have been modernized, but the underlying goal to help parents and caregivers still holds true. And I'm going to put a, I'll put a picture in the show notes. So everyone can see this. But what's really interesting is, so the the one from 1954 says, Your Child's Safety, Something Really to Worry About by Harry Dietrich, M.D. And it goes through, and it's a little you know pamphlet about you know child deaths from accidents, from diseases, how important it is, a lot of stats from uh, outside agencies, National Safety Council. They go through everything. It's, it's actually a really well-done piece, especially for 1954. And then in the, in the, at the last page, there's an emergency telephone page. So please put all your nearest relative, nearest neighbor, police and sheriff, ambulance, put that all and please post this on your refrigerator somewhere safe. And I just thought that, and then I, then you get into the one that's published in 2016. The pictures are different, the size is different, but everything else is the same. They use the you know the similar stats from that. There's no like hardcore branding. It's not heavy on anything nationwide or at that time it was uh, in the back. It was Farm Bureau Insurance wow. Companies, and now Farm Bureau Insurance Company is now nationwide insurance. But it's so funny. You even go to the back. And they have a pull-out pamphlet of emergency phone numbers, the same thing. Call 911, poison control, fire police. So a little, you know, this was something Jay Bear would call utility. Yeah, so it's an exactly. educational piece and that you could actually tear out the page and put it on your refrigerator to save. And I just thought it was interesting, and maybe more than anything else, this is something they've been work- doing since, you know, 1954. But the idea has kept was kept intact. They didn't ever go through as saying, oh, you can get a deal on nationwide insurance. Uh, you know, they're selling without selling, right? They're, they're selling it with, by saying, this is really important. You need to know about this. We're bringing this to you. And there's nowhere in here that says, oh, and then if you, ha- if you need help finding an insurance program <laughs> exactly. for this, call us. They don't <laughs> right. even say that, which is what I love about it. Right. Um, so it's a really, really good piece. So what I'll do is I'll take a picture of this and in the, uh, in the show notes that we deliver on contentmarketinginstitute.com on Saturday. You can see a picture of both of them. And, uh, and I just think it's, it's fascinating the way that they've done this. And just, just nothing big, nothing, uh, nothing complex, but just an area that people need to understand about uh, childhood accidents. Uh, you know, it's, it's almost along the same line. I saw this stat the other day, which is totally off the subject, that says more people die in the U.S. every year from children playing with handguns than terrorist shootings. You know, it's those, it's those types right. of things that right. that is just really important, interesting. That, anyways, that's all. I, yeah. Now that, you now you know, and now you know exactly. So that's the self marketing, and thanks yeah, to thanks to Joe. But big big shout out to Joe Waters. Who's been a great listener, great supporter? Absolutely, of ours Joe, for yeah, passing that on. Yes, and and yeah. Alicia, thanks for sending that in. And I reached out to Alicia and thanked her and told her I'd be we'd be covering it on the program. Oh, that's fantastic! That's fantastic. So where? So you're? Are you heads down this week? What are you doing? Um, I am. Yeah, everything is content marketing world this week. Uh, yeah, working on opening. You know, show flow, keynotes, presentations, uh, final speaker position, sponsors, getting that all in because our program I think is due. Next week, we have to have it all finalized to ship to the printer. So, I mean, we're five weeks out at this point. So, Oh, my gosh. It's getting exciting. Oh, it's, it's crazy how, it's how quickly exciting. it's coming up. So how about yeah. you? Uh, I am on my last trip. In fact, as we record this, I am in the lovely New York City um, on my last trip of the summer before Content Marketing World where I'm off to do a two-day workshop actually starting tomorrow. Um, and uh, and then I'm home and literally heads down working on my presentations, working, you know, getting all things ready for my workshop and the 
presentation and my panels and basically getting ready for the the fall run to the end of the year really there you and go so yeah that's what i'm doing absolutely well safe do. travels enjoy your time in in new york and thank you very uh, much and i will talk to you later this week thank you yeah, that is it folks that is for joe polizzi this is robert rose we are signing off and if you like this episode number 142 won't you go leave us a review on the itunes we love that or consider subscribing if you haven't done so on itunes or stitcher.com or your favorite podcatcher um and when you subscribe if you subscribe if you leave us a review let us know won't you hashtag this old marketing we'd love to thank you personally for that and of course show ideas story ideas we love those great uh this old marketing examples we want them hashtag us up at this old marketing on the twitter or if you've got a question or just want to send us email with those story ideas it's this old marketing at contentinstitute.com all the links including the picture that joe just talked about will be available today in the show notes um and of course on the show post that we publish every saturday at thisoldmarketing.com until next week everybody remember it is your story to tell tell it well we'll see you next week on this old marketing is part of the CMI Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows at contentmarketinginstitute.com.